Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikas, and today's show is focused on the changing world of global branding and marketing. Today's guest is Don Schultz, Ph.D. and Professor Emeritus at Northwestern University's Medill Integrated Marketing Communications Department. I recently heard Don speak at the Magnet Global Conference in London. We brought a compelling point of view on how digitization and interactivity has changed and is changing the world. Don's the author or co-author of 28 books and served as visiting professor at prominent schools around the globe also commonly referred to as the father of integrated marketing communications. Don, welcome to Expert Opinion. Thank you very much, and thanks for the invitation. You bet. Well, you've had a long and distinguished career, both as a practicing advertising executive on Madison Avenue and certainly within academia as well. And yet one of the many things I was impressed about your presentation was how future-oriented you are in the latest technology, trends, and neurosciences. So let's, let's begin. You can maybe share with us um, your thoughts and the factors behind how digitization and interactivity has caused this change in the international marketplace. Well, uh, I appreciate the comment about being future-oriented. I think uh, the real issue is you really have to keep reinventing yourself, and I think that's one of the most critical issues. And that's particularly true when you're facing classrooms of uh, 20, 22, 24-year-olds whose uh, whole interest is not exactly what your background is. <laughs> so you have to be future-oriented. You have to be at least where they are and where they think they're going. And that, so that's really what has uh, propelled me through uh, most of these things. Uh, I don't think there's any question that we are really in a process of trying to reinvent uh, most of our marketing concepts. If you look back, uh, most of them were, were developed in the 50s and 60s. Uh, I often in a classroom or in a seminar ask people, uh, you know, what do you know about the four P's? Oh, yeah, we know that product, price, place, and promotion. We know what that is. And I say, do you know when that was developed? And most of them have no idea. And when I tell them it was 1957, which is, uh, what, 60 years ago, and we're still using the same models, it really makes us think about maybe we're not as up-to-date and current as we think we are. So part of the issue here is how do we start to rethink and reinvent ourselves for a digital, interactive, interconnected uh, marketplace, which is where our consumers and our customers live. It may not necessarily be where we live, but we have to be where they are, not where we are. And so that's really the view we've been taking and the one I've been using for the last several years. Well, you're absolutely right. Even in the world of B2B, things have changed so much more. Um, the world of mobility has changed how informed buyers and customers and influencers are and uh, really has shifted the way that organizations need to relate to the customer. So on that note, the roles of sales and marketing within a B2B organization have changed quite a bit. Can you just chat with us a little bit about that and, and your view of the role of the corporate brand? In B2B? Well, the, the interesting thing to me is that uh, if you look at most business-to-business -business organizations, they still are heavily and uh, almost entirely dependent on a field sales force. 
and that is people going out, making contacts, pressing the flesh, playing golf, eating steaks, doing all the things that the field sales force has always done. Uh, if you look at the research today, uh, most of the organization and much of, most of the research says the field sales force has very limited amount of time, number one, uh, they can't get in to see uh, a prospect. And the second thing is that once they get in, uh, they only have uh, 10, 20, 30 seconds to make their pitch and then get them out. So one of the things that we we have is a field sales force that has been trained to educate customers. The problem is the customers in many cases today are more well-educated in their, and particularly in their product categories are better educated than our field sales forces. And that makes it, makes it really really difficult. Field sales force guy comes in and says, let me tell you about this. And they say, no, we already know about that. Tell us about what's next. And so you've got a, a situation where you've got a rapidly changing consumer base, which is oriented toward online, interactive, up-to-the-minute, real-time data, and we have a field sales force who doesn't know what that customer already knows and is at a real disadvantage in terms of trying to make the presentation. <clears throat> so one of the things we've been suggesting, an approach we've been taking, is to say that uh, really what you have to do is think about the most important thing going forward for a B2B organization is its brand. If your field sales force, if, if, they, if your prospect doesn't know your brand or doesn't accept your brand or doesn't recognize your brand, it's going to be very difficult for that field sales force to make a call. The idea of cold calls is, you know, is really a thing of the past. And so one of the issues we have to deal with is this transition from what has historically been a face-to-face, sit-down-at-the-desk, talk-about-negotiate approaches and that sort of thing to one where I need some way to simply get in to see the customer and to get them pre-sold so they at least will be willing to take my sales call. So I think what we have is a very different situation for the field sales force. Now, the problem is almost every B2B organization is driven by a field sales force, and the people who are in the senior management generally came up from the field sales force. They all carried a bag. They all drove around and looking for smokestacks and that sort of thing. And they have great difficulty understanding how radically the business has changed since they were in the field. So I think one of the things that organizations have to do, and particularly B2B, is they have to really rethink what their value is of the brand. And the brand is much more than simply a signal of quality or trustworthiness or something like that. It has to be something that people get interested in and excited about and say, maybe you can help me solve my problems. Well, couldn't agree more. The need to define your corporate brand and the value you provide, more importantly, the relevancy you provide to your target audience and then how you differentiate from the competition is certainly a corporate initiative and not just a sales and marketing initiative. And and therefore, uh, couldn't agree more with your recommendations on getting that brand established and also then making sure it's well understood throughout the organization so that, yes, as a brand is promoted externally and as you mentioned, the customer, the prospect, becomes knowledgeable about the offering, the people within the organization then can uh, can deliver upon it as well. So, uh, yeah, good insight. 
Well, as going back to your presentation, which I, I, I really enjoyed, you spoke about how marketers need to shift from a linear process to a multidimensional approach. Can you share more insights with our listeners about that? Yeah, if you look at, uh, we still talk a lot about the customer purchase journey. And we look at that and, and say, oh, they go from here to here to here to here. They go from awareness to recognition of the problem, and then they start to make, start to look at alternatives and so on and so on. Everything is linear. Everything is one way, and everything is focused on uh, what we believe the customer does. The issue today is not uh, is not a linear process because customers start one direction, back up, hit another, go in another one, turn around, start over. It's more like not a linear process. It's more like a bowl of spaghetti. And so one of the problems is trying to sort out how they're making decisions. And the problem with that is we make some assumptions about how they make decisions, and we don't really know, and we don't really have any information. The thing that we've been doing, the thing, the approach we've been taking is saying, let's flip the process around. Rather than you coming up with a sales program, rather than you coming up with a sales presentation, why don't you start with customers, figure out what they're doing, where they're going, where they're accessing information, try to understand where their pain points are, and then bring them solutions. We've had solution selling for a long, long time, but solution selling has always been something that we as the marketer decided this was a problem you have and here's our solution. It's not necessarily driven by the consumer and customer. So I think what we have to do is flip the process around and start with uh, information about the customer and start to work back toward what we're trying to sell. And what we found is, by and large, if you do that, most of the issues will resolve themselves because what you'll have is a better view of what the world is really about and what the consumer and the customers are really doing. Well, couldn't agree more with you. I, I, I know we've chatted a little bit about the power of data and the, and the importance of research, and that's why we specifically developed the brand performance platform and right. its ability to gauge with a buyer or influencer or potential customer what is most important to them and uh, how is that brand perceived in relation to that importance as well as the competition. So I think the challenge always is getting um, a customer to be, uh, well, first to reach them or a prospect to reach them. It's always very difficult to do that. And then also to get them to respond openly and honestly and then also the ability for them to really anticipate and understand their own needs in the future. So it's really a, um, an art and a science to, um, to get the data, but then what do you do with the data? How do you use the data to anticipate the customer's need down the road? But that's, that's, the, that's the role of a corporate brand, again, is to establish the, um, the foundation that that future promise can be built upon. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. The, the way we approach it uh, is saying there are two things we need to know. We need to know what, and we know, need to know why. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not too difficult today to figure out what uh, organizations are looking for. All you've got to do is go track some of the searches they're conducting, where they're going, uh, what things they're looking for. Uh, where there, you can scrape the web and get all kinds of information. You can even look at uh, things like selfies, where they uh, identify 
themselves and say, here are the kind of things we're doing at our place and uh, here, here are the things that are important to us. The problem is we know big data has given us just incredible amounts of what. So getting the what is not a big issue. The bigger issue is the why. Why are they doing that? Why are they approaching it in that way? What are their real issues? What are their concerns? And that's where you really need to start thinking about how can you get deep down into the buying process and deep down into where the pain points of the organization are and try to understand the why of what they're doing, not just the what. And I think part of the issue is we've fallen into the trap of saying, give me some sales leads. And the way we get sales, you know, you generate sales leads is, oh, boy, somebody went to our website. The problem is you don't know why they went to your website, and maybe it was a mistake, or maybe they were just playing around. So one of the things you have to start thinking about is getting beyond the what, which is the big data thing, and getting to the why. And that's really where the sophistication comes with the data and the data analytics. Yeah, we believe in the power of why as well. Um, to really understand from within an organization why they exist and what um, what are they bringing to the world in, in terms of uh, benefit and uh, why why should an employee want to work there and uh, why should a prospect or customer care? And so, well, I think there's, there's an interesting thing going on right now. And if you if you've been following, General Electric has been running these series of uh, of commercials. Mm-hmm about the young man who's uh, just started at work at uh, General Electric. Nobody knows who General Electric is and what they do. In fact, there are a lot of misconceptions that he runs into. Of, you know, they're still making light bulbs and they're still making refrigerators and that sort of thing. So I think part of the problem is the conceptions that our customers have and the misconceptions that really have to be overcome. And I think part of that issue boils down to the fact that, by and large, we don't understand how our customers look at us. They don't. We don't know what they think we are or what we're all about. And I think that's one of the most critical issues. And what happens is people historically have said, oh, yeah, we've been in business for 45 years. Everybody knows us. Everybody knows what we do. Well, no, that's not true. And I think you've got a continuous flow of changing customers, changing information, changing uh, needs and changing wants. So one of the things I think the organization has to do is really clarify what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what their purpose is. So I would, uh, you know, encourage everyone to sort of watch that GE series of television commercials unfold because I think they really are on to something in terms of explaining what a corporate brand is and the in a very, very nice way and explaining what they do and what they're all about. Yeah, Don, I've heard those referenced by uh, quite a few people, so I think it's hit a nerve within corporate America and realizing that these very established and uh, well-run organizations uh, need to be more relevant to you know today's uh, marketplace, Whether and, and many of that is many of those mem- members of the marketplace are the future employees. Uh, this concept of employer branding and the ability to make sure that these people, this new new talent, really understands why this organization exists and why they should be considered to be part of that group. So, um, right. 
The same thing applies that that emotional connection of why I believe applies to B two B brands as they as they promote themselves and market themselves as well. And uh, I think the common opinion is that in the world of B two B, decision makers, purchasing uh, purchasers make decisions that are very rationally based. You know, engineering models. I, I, we work with a number of technology companies that feel that because they have the best technology, everybody should use it. But the reality is they need, uh, the customers need an emotional connection to really bring it home. And um, what we found is that in the world of B2B, it's even a, a higher level of emotional com- com- connection than even B2C considered um, purchases, longer sales cycles, relationship-driven, multiple decision-makers, all those, you know, somebody's job is potentially on the line of making this decision. So it, you have to have that balance of, of data, rational, and emotional connection. So with this emotional connection, you spoke a little bit about the, um, the relationship between neuroscience and, and digitalization and, and marketing media interactivity. Can you expand upon that a little bit more? Yeah, I wish I could. I wish I understood all the things I talk about. <laughs> uh, but uh, w- the thing we've been doing is we've been working with uh, neuro neuromarketing and neuroscience, and uh, uh, for the last uh, three or four years. And I think one of the primary things we've found, and this is I think very interesting and very very related to the B two B area. And that is, by and large, given the amount of information that customers have today and their ability to acquire and understand what the marketplace is all about, I think the days of, quote, selling are over. That is, the idea that you can go in and persuade someone to buy your product probably still still don't exist. This just don't exist anymore. So what we've been talking about is reciprocity, and that is, how can you help with your customers to create shared value. Now, shared value is a very, very, very disconcerting thing because what it says is, I'm going to give you value back for what you get. Mm -hmm. Now, we often think that the value is delivered by the product, but the value is many times delivered back through the relationship, through the understanding, and through the ability of the organization to help Uh, Their customers solve their problems. So part of the issue here is how do you get away from this old line concept that never leave any money on the table, and how do you move to something that says if we can create value and share that value with you, what we'll help you do is help you buy, we'll not have to sell. And that's one of the things that comes out loud and clear in the work we've been doing in neuromarketing, and that is You can't persuade people today to do much of anything, but you can help them solve their problems and help them create uh, the resolutions they need to get uh, to move forward in their business. So I think the thing that we're still working on, and that is how do people really make decisions? How do Mm -hmm. consumers, customers, buyers, whatever you want to call them, how do they make decisions? And there are two basic things that are going on. Number one is value received. And the other one is value uh, given up. So the value received is what I perceive that I get back from uh, making a purchase with your organization. And the value that I spend is what the cost of this is. As long as those two things are in balance, you'll have a good relationship. It's when they get out of balance. That is, 
the consumer or the customer doesn't believe they're getting the value for what they're paying. That's when you get into all kinds of difficulty. Now, we can watch the brain light up and that sort of thing, but really what we're talking about in many cases is basic human behavior and basic human nature. So I think one of the things we need to think about is this is a shared relationship marketplace that we operate in. It's not winner-take-all. It's not buyer-get-everything. It's essentially everyone is sharing uh, all of their relationships, sharing all the values, sharing all the knowledge. And if you look at the young people, that's essentially what they're all about. They're all about sharing. They're all about uh, working in teams. They're all about working together. And uh, pretty different from the lone wolf salesperson that we've historically looked at in B2B. Well, so true. Um, Relationship-driven, driven, being able to give up something in order to get something uh, and develop that deeper relationship is, is really smart. You mentioned earlier about uh, how com- companies need to reconsider the customer journey and, and really need to be more customer-centric. Certainly this is an example of doing that. Any other steps that you recommend organizations consider as they try to become more customer-centric? Well, I think the first thing they need to do is understand that they're that it's all about income flows and value creation. And money on, and customers only give you money if they believe they're going to get some value back. So you really have to look at your proposal and your proposition from their viewpoint. Why would anyone give me money for the product or service that you're trying to tell me about? And that forces you to think about what's their view, not what your view is. We can talk a lot about, look at all the value we put in, and we've put all these nifty new things, and we've got all the latest gizmos and widgets and all the other things that go on this product or on this particular activity. The problem is, how does that relate to the customer? And I think that's where we've gotten lost. We've gotten so involved in technology that it's the bright, shiny object that has created much of the problem that we're all out chasing bright, shiny objects, and we've forgotten about why customers buy and what they're buying for and what they're looking for and why they're trying to trying to resolve some of the issues they have. So I think being customer-focused simply means that you understand what the customer's problems are, and then you relate your product to them. Now, one of the things you'll find when you do that is you may not have products for a lot of the customers you'd like to serve. And in most cases, you're simply wasting your time if you don't really have a solution for them to say, let's go out and really try to sell them or try to promote or whatever it happens to be. So I think knowing your customers is the first step and understanding how they operate and what they operate like and how they operate. And yeah, and you using that, data and insights to anticipate the future needs of your customer, right? Exactly. So, well, um, we're almost out of time, but I do have one final question for you. Uh, once again, I, I mentioned to the group we met at the Magnet Global Conference where we have uh, 40 roughly agencies from around the world getting together. And you mentioned how agencies need to get out of the ROI business or looking to the past and into the <laughs> business of the future or to be able to actually um, provide knowledge and forecasting for the future. So last question, can you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Every marketing organization has this problem, and, and this is a huge problem, not one that's going to be resolved in the short term. But by and large, marketing has become the captive of the financial people. Now, the financial people use ROI. 
But the ROI is what happened yesterday or the day before, the day before that. Marketing, everything you do in marketing is future-oriented. Everything you do is trying to say, if I do this, what will happen next, next tomorrow, the next day, the day after, whatever. So all the marketing expenditures are based on the future and not on the past, yet we're constrained by this ROI process that says, well, last year our uh, sales were this, and this is what we generated, and here's how we generated. But that doesn't help, doesn't help anybody because what's the question is, you're asking me to spend future dollars, so I've got to get into the forecasting business. And I think what that means is we may very well have to call in some people from actuarial science. Uh, the actuaries are the ones who really do the forecasting. Uh, they're the ones that tell you how uh, how long you're going to live, tell you you know whether or not you're going to be involved in an automobile accident. It's all about probabilities. So I think marketing people need to move away from this idea of return on investment and what did I get for what I spent last year or last month and say, here's what I think we'll get if we do this going forward. So that puts you into the forecasting business. Agencies are not very comfortable with forecasting. Uh, all you have to do is go look at an agency balance sheet and talk to the and go to an annual meeting and have people do these pie in the sky. Oh yeah, we'll get that a client, we'll get that account, and so on. So you have to be realistic about the forecasting. But I think forecasting is really what the future of marketing is going to be all about. And we have to develop new forecasting tools and become better forecasters. And what that says is we're probably going to have to deal with a world of probabilities as opposed to a, a world of actual dollars and cents. And that's going to be a really major change for everyone. Well, and it gets back to the power of data insights, but once again, not just the what, but the uh, the why. So, uh, right. yeah, I, I do feel it's a tremendous opportunity for uh, for firms around the globe to better serve their clients and, and help the clients anticipate the future as well and, and be able to serve their customers at a higher level. Well, Don, thank you for being a guest on Expert Opinion. Any final thoughts or insights you'd like to share with our listeners? No, my pleasure. I, uh, I think this is uh, really one of the most exciting and interesting times in the history of uh, marketing. So uh, rather than get discouraged, I think everyone ought to be optimistic about how can we change things? How can we adapt? How can we move forward? And uh, if you do that, I think you'll be in pretty good shape. Well said. Thank you for having certainly, me. certainly agree. Thank you, Don. Well, that concludes okay. our show for today. This is Ryan Rikus, and you've been listening to another edition of Expert Opinion, a branding business forum where thought leaders share their point of view. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read a blog series, visit brandingbusiness.com. Till our next show, grow your business by living your brand promise.